Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get going, I want to take a moment to tell you about some exciting news for high school sports fans across the country. SB Live Sports has launched a free iPhone and Android app featuring the latest high school sports news, scores, videos, polls, photos, podcasts, player rankings, and much more. With the SB Live Sports app, it is now even easier to follow your favorite team. With real-time scores and news alerts, as well as video highlights, podcasts, photo galleries, rankings, game coverage, and much more, the app delivers all the content you want in one convenient place. The SB Live Sports app features exclusive content from on-the-ground reporters across the country, and it's the number one source for Washington high school sports fans. With coverage from reporters Todd Millis and Andy Bueller, me, Dan Dickow, SB Live's recruiting expert, this SB Live Sports app is available at no charge in the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Download it today. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner for three. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's on now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. Well, I mean, I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school, trying to mimic all your moves. Welcome to another episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports on the Believe Podcast Network. Today's guest, someone that I first met years ago when I was uh, a Washington Husky. He was in the NBA. Uh, we reconnected years later uh, while we were both continuing on with broadcasting work. He and I are colleagues at the Pac-12 Networks during the college basketball season. His affinity and love for his alma mater shines through, and I respect it because I know he respects my passion for my alma mater, Gonzaga, as well. Uh, a long career in the NBA, someone who knows the game very well, Eldridge or Kasner. Eldridge, it looks like Seattle is about as nice a weather as you can get right now by just seeing the background in Zoom for you. Yeah, Seattle's showing up right now over the last four or five days. Uh, I think over the weekend it got up to 80. It's about 72 today, but there's not a cloud in the sky, Dan. And as you well know, you can't, you can't beat it anywhere in the country when you got days like this in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, whether you're in Portland, Seattle, where I live in Spokane, uh, a great spring day can't be beat, that's for sure. Now, you grew up in the South, in New Orleans. I played for for a season with the Hornets. That weather is completely different. Hot, <laughs> humid. <laughs> so I can only yeah. imagine you love that that fresh air. I can only imagine, right? You know what, Dan? I, I didn't really realize it until after my freshman year, man. I think I went home that summer after my freshman year. And when I when I when I got out of the airport, it felt like somebody had just wrapped saran wrap around my whole face, man. I was walking around in a giant oven. You're right. That humidity down there is just it's just unreal. Nothing like that here in Seattle. Uh, I don't like the sticky humidity anymore. I don't like the rain either, but 
the spring and summers in Seattle, I, I'll take those over New Orleans, you know, summers any day of the week. Yeah, you, you put up with the, the cold in Spokane or the rain in Portland and Seattle, and you get uh, spring, summer, and early fall that can't be beat, that's for sure. But you grew up in New Orleans. Um, I can only imagine. I'd love to hear a little bit about your background. I know you're, you had a, a tremendous high school teammate as well, Robert Pack, who made it to the NBA uh, currently a, a coach in the NBA as well. But if you're anything like me, you had a high school coach that, you know, really poured into you and, and kind of gave you some guidance and some some advice to help make the most of your future. Uh, tell us about your upbringing uh, at the high school level in New Orleans and then ultimately how you got to University of Washington. Yeah, uh, so I'll take you back to the beginning. You know, born and raised in New Orleans, an area called the Lower Ninth Ward, which I'm pretty sure all your your listeners are going to be in a herd of probably because of Hurricane Katrina for the wrong reasons. But uh, neighborhood got completely wiped out, man. Uh, high school got destroyed. I went to a high school called Alfred Lawless. And I'm probably one of the only people I'm, I'm, I'm imagining, you know, besides the people that grew up with me in the Ninth Ward that, 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 that went to the same name high school, the same name school their whole career. I mean, I went to Alfred Lawless Elementary School. And then across the street was Alfred Lawless Junior High School. And then going into my ninth grade year, they converted my junior high into a high school. So I went to Alfred Lawless my whole career, um, played high school ball there. Uh, you talked about Robert Pack. Robert came over when I was a senior. Robert was a sophomore. But some other guys that were from New Orleans that, that played in the NBA, that you'll probably remember Avery Johnson played at St. Augustine High School. Jaron Jackson played at Coyne High School. So we had some other guys from my era that played in the NBA around the same time I was in high school. But uh you know, was a guy, you know, everybody wants to play varsity these days, you know, when they're freshmen and sophomores. So I was a guy that swung both ways as a, as a freshman and as a sophomore. Uh, finally started as a junior, you know, was pretty good. I think it was the best team we had in high school was my junior year because I was the only junior that played with four seniors. And then my senior year, I was the main guy. Like I said, Robert Pack came along, was a sophomore, was a younger guy. But uh, I got hurt then my senior year, man. I, I, I broke my ankle. Like we were 16 and two, I remember. We ended up finishing 18 and eight. So I didn't get recruited by a lot of people. And you, you, you mentioned, how did I get to Seattle? One of the schools I was recruited by was Louisiana Tech. And they had a coach named Andy Russo. And they had a player named Carl Malone, which I, I know all your listeners <laughs> know because Carl played with John. And uh, Louisiana Tech was recruiting me along with a school called Creighton. And I don't know if you remember Benoit Benjamin from his yeah. time in Seattle. But Benoit Benjamin was a junior at Creighton. And Carl Malone was a junior at, at, at Louisiana Tech. And I'll never forget. Louisiana Tech was telling me, oh, you want to come here because Benoit Benjamin's going pro. And Creighton was saying, well, you want to come here because Carl Malone is going pro. Well, both of those guys went pro. But my coach, Andy Russo, left Louisiana Tech, got hired by the University of Washington, asked me if I wanted to come along. So that's how I ended up in Seattle because I wasn't good enough to be recruited all the way from New Orleans out here to Seattle. And the only reason I ended up out here is because uh, Andy Russo was a hot young coach in America. I think they might have made the Elite Eight that year with Carl Malone. It's always interesting to me how guys from different pockets of the country get to a new place. And, and it, it, basketball, as you know, just as well as I do, it's all about relationships. Uh, you, you form a relationship and a trust level with a coach or you form a bond with a, with a teammate. And then you guys kind of stay connected through the course of your career and then or into a coaching career. But you talked about playing in New Orleans, and there was a lot of guys around your era, it sounds like, that made it to the NBA. Now, you live in Seattle now, and Seattle is one of the best basketball hotbeds in the country. You got guys that you know are being recruited by high-level programs, mid-majors, 
Uh, you got guys that every year seem to uh, kind of be on the cusp or making it to the NBA. Compare maybe New Orleans basketball and, and that group that you had and maybe the camaraderie you guys had to the current basketball scene in Seattle. You know what, Dan? I honestly don't know. I don't know if I can compare it. It, it, it just was. It's, it's two different eras. I, I grew up playing on the playground, man, and I, and I think one of the reasons I probably can't compare it to now is because of the, the 35-year gap. And it's been 36 years since I graduated from high school, 1985. And uh, I never played in the gym outside of basketball practice. You know, we, we, we met on the playground. And every day after school, after I got my homework done, you know, I went straight to the playground. And, you know, when you're on the playground, you, you play with whoever's out there playing. So I played with grown men. I used to get beat up, you know. Uh, and I think that's the one advantage. Like, I have a son that's a 10th grader that, that I miss for him. It's just that toughness of playing against grown men, you know, when you're 15, 16 years old. Um, everything now is organized, you know, so if you're not on the AAU team or some type of uh, select program, you know, I drive by parks all the time. No one's playing at the playground anymore. So that's, that's kind of gone. Um, I think another thing is, you know, you know, Jamal Crawford, Jamal Crawford, I think is like the grandfather of basketball around here, even though he's not that old, but he's a guy that, that, that kind of kept it going. I think his success, Brandon Roy's success, uh, just made kids want to play even more. Whereas, when I was in high school, we didn't have an NBA team in New Orleans anymore. The New Orleans Jazz had left and moved to Utah. So there wasn't anybody that you could, you know, that not, not only from the city, but there wasn't any NBA players in the city at all. So for a guy like me to think that I could make it to the NBA was like, man, it was like saying you want to be president. You know, you just really didn't think it could happen. Whereas here in Seattle, I think kids see DeJounte Murray, you know, they, they, they see Jamal Crawford, they see Matisse Thybul. You know, they, they see Nate Robinson, whoever these guys are, Jason Terry's that came out of Seattle and they see him all the time. So they know they know that they can make it. And a lot of that comes from the fact that Jamal Crawford has his program and those kids playing that. So when you compare New Orleans and, you know, myself, Robert Pack, Avery Johnson, Jaron Jackson came from down there and made it to the NBA. But none of us were drafted. We all made us. We all made us free agents. And I think that's how that's how tough it was, uh, you know, you know, back then. So. It's kind of hard for me to compare the two. What I will say is I think I think New Orleans is just gritty, man. You you had to be tough to make it, you know, and uh there just there just ain't no other way to explain it. Um, I mean, I wasn't a high school all-American, Avery wasn't a high school all-American, Jaron wasn't a high school all-American. I mean, Avery went to Southern University. I mean, hell, maybe three players and came out of there and made it to the pros. Jaron Jackson made it to Georgetown, you know, which is the biggest scholarship. And of course, Robert went to Tyler Community College before signing with USC, but uh, it just was, it just was different, man. You know, cause when I came up here, I just, they told me I could, I could play basketball. I said, cool. I think I probably was the least recruited player, probably in the whole damn Pac-10. I know for the University of Washington I was, but I wasn't recruited by a lot of other big schools. Tulane, University of New Orleans, Creighton, Louisiana Tech. That was pretty much it, man. Like I said, because I got hurt my senior year. Yep. Yeah, but you went from what might have been "quote unquote" lightly recruited to, if I'm not mistaken, you were three times All Pac-10. So obviously, you had an impact right away, and you had a successful career. Uh, what drove you, or what allowed you to have that success early on in your in your college career, and then kind of carry it throughout? I think love of the game. You know, I just love the game, Dan. And honestly, man, I, you know, when I played in high school, I wasn't playing to get a scholarship like I think most of the kids are now. You know, there's a lot of pressure on kids today to get scholarship. And even when I got to the University of Washington, I just wanted to play. You know, if you would have told me I would have went on and played in the NBA, I would have said, man, you're crazy, even though that was my dream. 
But when I got here, I, I redshirted my freshman year. So that gave me a chance to adjust academically. It gave me a chance to adjust to the team, learn the system. And I just was hungry, man. I mean, when you're when you're from the ghetto, Dan, I mean, there's like only a few ways out, man. And I, I saw sports as a way out. You know, I, I wanted to buy my mother a house and take care of my mom. So that was kind of the driving force. And like you said, I was all freshman team with Gary Payton, um, Trevor Wilson. I'm trying to think of some of the other guys. That was Judd Bushler, and I don't know who the other guy was. I think it was Keith Smith from Cal. And then by my sophomore year, you know, I'm averaging 17 points a game, and I'm looking around, I'm saying, well, hey, you know, if, if Pooh Richardson, Gary Payton, Sean Elliott are the best in the league, and I'm right here hanging with them, I must be pretty good too. So after that, my sophomore year, I've said, you know, I might have a chance. And uh, wasn't drafted, but ended up playing, you know, eight years in the NBA. So, but I just think it just, you know, if you love the, if you love the game, there's nothing that could that 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 can match that, man. You, you you talked about coaches or kids that are that are listening. If there's some kids that that, that listen to your program, if you love basketball, you're never gonna you're never gonna look at a workout and say, oh man, I gotta go work out because it's fun and it's something that you love to do. And I don't think there's anything that can motivate you like that. I mean, I love the game. I played with anybody, man. I mean, once I stepped on the court, I was going to give somebody the business. I don't give a damn <laughs> who they were, how young or old, if they could play, if they couldn't play. If you was going to step out there on the court, I was going to try to take it to you. And that's, and that's the attitude that I play with. Yeah, 100%. Now, I want to go back to one of the names that you mentioned, uh, Gary Payton, because mm -hmm. I grew up in the Portland, Vancouver area. Uh, he was obviously at Oregon State. And I used to love watching those Beaver teams. Beavers made a, a NCAA tournament run this year that was fun to watch. But Gary Payton was, to me, on another level in the Pac-10 at that time. What was it like um, competing against guys like that? And, and how good was he in, in college? Because there's guys that I look at during my era, played against Baron Davis. It was like, oh, my gosh, this guy's on another level. Yeah. <laughs> right? There's just certain guys that you know distance themselves, and you know that they're going to have a tremendous pro career. Yeah, you know, I didn't know anything about Gary before I got to UW, you know, and like I said, I so I'm I'm actually we're the same age because I started school one year early, but we overlapped 86 through 90, and uh, I remember playing against him as a freshman, and I remember I don't know if you remember Pooh Richardson, but Pooh Richardson yeah. was some, was a big name guy at UCLA. UCLA still had Reggie Miller at the time, but Pooh was the guy as far as guards, and I remember Gary just shutting him down. I was like, man, you know, this dude is real. You know, he talked a lot of trash, just like, you know, you always hear, but he, but he always backed it up. So for me, it was always fun. I thought, you know, like I said, we both made the all-freshman team. I thought we were two of the better freshman guards in the league and throughout our whole career. So whenever we matched up against each other, you know, there was never any lack of motivation. Um, you know, I always played well. Uh, I think we might have split or we might have had an advantage over him wins-wise. But uh, that was a game you was always ready for because, you know, if you didn't bring your A game, Gary was going to embarrass you. And I, and I got to be honest, Dan, I mean, he, he was phenomenal, man. I mean, he talked a lot of trash, but he backed it up. And if you didn't come ready to play, you know, he, he was going to embarrass you. He was like a shark smelling blood in the water. And if he saw any type of fear at all, you were toast, man. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had a pair of sunglasses that you've lost and become frustrated you lost them, that were scratched or just quite frankly didn't fit very well? Well, look no more. Canon sunglasses are the best. I repeat, the best. You will not be disappointed in Canon sunglasses. They are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made to be clearer, lighter, and stronger. 
They're also Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. So you add the lenses and the frames to create a powerful sunglass combo. Use the exclusive code CANONCAST15 at canon.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. Canon, clearly better. Well, you grew up down south in New Orleans, like we talked about. My favorite player of all time, Pistol Pete Maravich. Uh, okay. Yep. If, if yep. I'm rem- if I'm looking at the timeline of when you graduated high school, you would have been a young kid, turned those peak uh, New Orleans jazz years right before they moved to Utah. Mm-hmm. So he was my kind of you know favorite player of all time. My my kind of role model, I guess you could say. Who would yours been? Who would yours have been as a player? Who would you have looked up to? Uh, tried to emulate when you were growing up? Oh, no, you know, without a doubt, it's Dr. J, man. You know, Dr. J is my favorite athlete, favorite basketball player of all time. When I was a kid, you know, uh, for some reason, Philadelphia sports was always on in New Orleans. You know, we didn't have a baseball team. We didn't have a basketball team. Of course, we had the Saints, but the Saints were terrible back then. Uh, So the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Philadelphia Flyers, and the Philadelphia 76ers were always on. So I saw a lot of Dr. J, but Dr. J and George Gerving, one of my favorite players as a kid. You know, I wanted to get six, seven, you know, jump out the gym, dunk on people. <laughs> Didn't happen. I ended up being six three. But that was my introduction to basketball from my uncles. Of course, I know who Pistol was. You know, Pistol played at LSU, which is like the University of Washington for the state of Washington, played for his dad, had all the scoring records. But um, you know, when it when it when it came to wanting to be like somebody, Dr. J was my guy, man. Yep. Yeah. Well, I got a couple last questions for you. Now I think you and I side with this. We both think LeBron is a tremendous player, one of the all-time greats. But in my eyes, Michael Jordan is this, the gold standard. You had a chance to play. I only played against Mike one year. My rookie year was his last year. So I didn't get to play against him in his prime. You played against him uh, multiple times throughout the peak of his career. Give us your true Michael Jordan breakdown and where does he – uh, kind of fit on that pedestal and then who comes right behind him? Yeah. You know what, Dan, I have this argument all the time, man. And, and, and you know, and people accuse me of being a, you know, a old hater and, and, and all of this <laughs> stuff. But uh, I think, I think the one thing that the fans are missing today is the, the game is different. You know, there, there's no intimidation in the game anymore because you can't physically touch anybody anymore. You know, back, you know, back when I came into the league in 95, I mean, I, I signed with the Houston Rockets, you know, we were world champs that Akeem Olajuwon, they probably had the second best two guard in the league at that time behind Michael Jordan and Clyde Drexler. So that year, you know, we played the Bulls. It was billed at the game of the year. You know, the Bulls had won the two previous championships. The Rockets had won the last two, 93, 94, 95. Um, and Michael just, he just was at a different level, man. I mean, I, I, I've, never, I've never seen a guy that competitive, that athletic, that skilled. And I think the thing that people miss you know, we, we see a lot of great offensive players. But Michael, in my opinion, was the best offensive and defensive player in the league. And, I mean, that's insane. Yeah. You know, that's insane, Danny. And you know that. You know how much energy it takes to, to, to be a high-level elite defensive guy guarding other teams' best players all the time. You do that and you're averaging 30 a game and you're the best offensive player. So I think that's what separates Michael, in my personal opinion. Um, I didn't see Will Chamberlain in his prime. I, I heard how great he is, so I don't want to leave Will out of the conversation. 
I didn't see Oscar Robinson, you know, but he averaged a triple-double damn near for his career. You can't leave him out. Of course, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is all-time leading scorer. LeBron, to me, is – is I don't want to disrespect him. I, I think he's the greatest athlete I've ever seen. But if you was to put LeBron up against Jordan in his prime, I, I man, I think Michael would eat him like a shrimp po' boy from New Orleans. You know, I just think he would eat him alive, man, because that intensity – I saw what he did to my teammates. Yeah. I mean, guys that were superstars, man. I mean, he just, they were scared of him, man. I mean, it was unreal. I, 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 guys literally didn't get any sleep the night before playing against him, you know? And I, I don't even think, you know, I, I say this all the time when I'm asked about him. I don't think Hollywood could script a movie better than what he did in real life. I mean, when you bought a ticket to see Michael Jordan play, he never disappointed you, man. He gave you his money worth. The first time I played against him, Dan, I swear to God, man, I was guarding him. Why? I don't know, because I was a backup point guard. So why the hell am I on Jordan <laughs> two guard? I have no idea. Thanks, but Coach. I, my, no, I think my teammates were scared, man. So the first time I'm playing against him, you know, he's on me like white on rice. I'm like, well, damn. Did somebody tell him I said something about him or something, you know? So after a couple times down court, I finally asked him, I said, man, damn, why, you know, why are you guarding me so tight, man? I said, I'm, I'm just a rookie. You don't even know who I am. He said, I want you to know why I'm considered the best. And I said, wow. And ever since that point, Dan, I just I just always had a lot of I just always had a lot of respect for him, man. Cause like I said, I would play against veteran guys. They didn't know who I was. They would leave me open. You know, I could shoot the rock. I knocked down a couple of shots before they finally decided that they wanted to guard me. But every time I played against him, man, he was playing me like I was a Reggie Miller or a Joe Dumars or somebody. Um, I think LeBron is phenomenal. You know, what he's doing, especially at this age, is 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 amazing. But if I had to pick one guy that I want on my team to, to take the last shot or to stop a guy from getting the last shot, I'm, I'm, I'm going with Michael, man, because like I said, he's, he's, the best, he's the best that I've ever seen. You know, the most skilled guy, the most athletic, the most competitive, the most fundamentally sound. I mean, he, he, checked, he checked all of the boxes, man. It wasn't, he didn't have any weaknesses, man. I'll give you another story. And, it, yeah. and this might sum him up mentally better than any other story that I can tell. I met Steve Kerr in 1985, you know, when he was at Arizona, I was at UW have been knowing Steve all these years. We meet him in the playoffs in 97. We're playing the Bulls in the playoffs. And you know how it is, man. When you're warming up, the starters out there shooting, the bench guys usually be on the floor stretching before a game. So I'm coming off the bench for Atlanta. Steve's coming off the bench for the Bulls. We're sitting close to each other near half court, you know, stretching. I say, hey, Steve, what's going on, man? He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I was just like, I can't talk to you. And I was like, what are you talking about? You can't talk to me. He's like, oh, man. I can't talk. I was like, Steve, what are you talking about? He's like, Michael don't want anybody fraternizing with the enemy. <laughs> and I said, what? He's like, yeah, Michael don't want any fraternizing. Anymore. I got to go, man. So he got up and he moved to the other side of the court. And I'm looking at him like he's crazy. But that's just the kind of competitor that Jordan was, man. And uh, like I said, Steve got up and moved. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I <laughs> thought he was joking, but he was dead serious. But that's just the kind of competitor he was, man. And uh, a guy that I, that I always have a lot of respect for. Because like I said, I, I saw what he did to my teammates. I saw what he did to my team. I'll give you another example, Dan. We 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 played him. We played him in the in the uh, I'm trying to think of the name in the Georgia Dome in Atlanta. The Omni was being torn down. The new Phillips Arena was being built. Sixty three thousand people was at the game, man. Wow. Sixty three thousand. That's like a Final you know, Four. <laughs> I, I think we're up one. We played him one time. We're up one with about ten seconds to go. They got the ball. Lenny Wilkins calls a timeout. He says, "We know where the ball is going to go." When the ball comes in, Steve Smith was guarding Michael Jordan. Chucky Brown was my teammate playing small, small forward guarding Scottie Pippen. He said, Chucky, I want you to go and double-team Jordan. 
we had an assistant coach named Dick Helm. I don't know if you remember Dick Helm. A long time assistant with Lenny in Cleveland, long time assistant in Atlanta in New York. Dick Helm started shaking his head and started walking towards the locker room, Dan, because he had seen the shot that Jordan hit on Elo in yeah. Cleveland. He starts walking to the locker room before the timeout's over. <laughs> the horn blows. The Bulls take the ball out. Dick Helm is still walking towards the locker room, man. Chicago inbounds the ball to Michael. Chucky Brown is supposed to come in double teaming, but Michael Jordan attacks the double, which freezes Chucky. Splits Chucky and Steve, shoots a little bank shot off the glass, man. Horn goes off. The Bulls end up winning. I just went, unbelievable, man. You know, <laughs> the guy was just like, he was just like something out of a Hollywood movie, man. And like I said, I don't want to take away from LeBron's greatness, but I just don't think, I don't think LeBron is, I don't think LeBron is there, man, when it, when it comes to that physical era where guys were beating the hell out of Mike, man. But yeah. he, he just kept coming. And I, I think if he played today, Dan, Hell, shit, man. I'm going to be honest with you. I think if he played today, he would average somewhere in the 40s. Because you can't touch anybody. Yeah, you can't touch you anybody. Know? The game is completely no. different. I mean, it yeah. has changed. And it's not taking away anything against the skill level of some of these guys now. Yeah. The game is but, just it, different. But, 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 but intimidation was a factor, man. Sure. You know, and, and, and if you went in there and dunked on somebody, the next time, you might get your damn head taken off. So that 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 played a role. All the still cute stuff Steph Curry's doing, somebody would have knocked the hell out of him, man. I'm telling you. Because that's just the way that it was. And it was a physical game. And uh, it's just changed. You know, that's all I can say. Yeah, I, I love the stories that you tell. And, and obviously, you know, I, I think LeBron is like 1B <laughs> right behind. Uh, he's as close as we're going to find. Him and Kobe are really like right there on, on Jordan's heels, in my opinion. But I agree, Jordan, it can't be touched. Last question before I let you go. And you and I kind of have a back and forth occasionally on, on, on text messages. And I got I to gotta just put this out there. I'm a Husky fan anytime they're not playing Gonzaga, <laughs> right? You have as much pride for UW as anybody I've ever found. I love it. I respect it. Uh, I appreciate it because you got love for your alma mater. Where is that program? Where is it going? And can you give Gonzaga any credit? Because I know your Husky pride through and through. Let me let me start with Gonzaga first, and, and and I'll say this: I have to give you guys credit, Dan. You know, because I, I've been around, I've been around for thirty six years, man. I mean, I, the first guy that I can recall that left UW to go play for Gonzaga was a guy named Eric Brady. I don't know if you remember Eric. Yeah, I know. But him. Eric was the first guy. Eric was one of my teammates. He was the first guy that I can remember that left UW and went over to Gonzaga and played. And then the next two guys was uh, Jeff Brown. Next, Jeff Brown. Yep. Yep. Jeff Brown was the next guy, went over there and, 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 and made all league. But we wasn't playing Gonzaga back then. And I, I can't ever remember, you know, playing Gonzaga. Um, but I've watched what Gonzaga's done. Of course, you left and went over there. Errol Knight left and went over there. The last guy that left and went over there, that I, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, was Nigel Williams-Goss. Yeah. But I can't knock what, what, what Mark Few's done, man. What he's done has been absolutely phenomenal. I mean, because... It was some guys that wasn't playing for us at UW that went over there and played. And now you guys are a powerhouse in the country, man. I saw the Chad Holmgren kid just committed to you guys. Jalen Suggs committed last year. In the past, you guys would get guys that I never heard of, man, to be honest. And I'm not – this is not a bash. Yeah. I don't want you to take no, it the wrong sure. way. And I don't want Gonzaga fans. But you would get guys that I never heard of. And I'm like, well, who the hell is this guy? Then all of a sudden he would turn into a stud. <laughs> and I remember working out with Matt Santangelo back in the day at the pro club, man, you know. I mean, that's my era. Matt was, was at Gonzaga back then. And so 
when I take a look at what Mark Few has done, and it hasn't been overnight. It's been it's been what 20, 22 years. Yeah, he's been. The I mean, it's just been unbelievable, man. I mean, you guys are the daughters of college basketball. You're the Dukes of the West Coast, in my opinion. So, at first, you know, when you when you're fresh out of school, everybody's talking smack. So you you know, I never took it personal, but everybody's always on you. And you guys, I got to be honest, you guys have owned us when we played. I remember watching, you know, I remember watching Alan Morrison drop 43 in Heckhead. You know, and that's not easy to take, but I got to just take my hat off to Mark Few, man. I, I think he's done an outstanding job with not having top 25 guys and now that he's getting top 25 guys, hell with top 25, now that he can go out and get the number one player in the country, man, it's just scary to yeah. think what he might do. So nothing but respect for Gonzaga. Um, like I said, uh, can't say anything bad about it, man, because the proof is in the pudding. And sometimes you got to give credit where it's due. And the only thing you guys haven't done is won a national championship. You guys have done everything from that. And I thought this year you would do it for sure. But ran into a buzzsaw in Baylor, you know, a team that just was hitting on all cylinders. But getting a kid like Chet Holmgren, you know, I know Paulo Banchero was on your guys' list to, to go there. So uh, just an outstanding job, man. I, one of the premier programs in the country. If you're a kid, you know, it'd be hard to say no to him. And you asked me where my program is, University of Washington. This was a rough year, Dan. You know, I, I think my last count, seven guys has transferred out into the transfer portal, which is insane, you know, what that thing is. The only kid that, that played last year that I haven't heard what he's going to do is Quade Green. But I got to give Mike Hopkins and, you know, and Will Conroy and their staff credit. They just hired Joaquin Jones. It looked like they're putting their hats on, their hard hats on, man. They're going out there, hitting the pavement. They picked up the Emmett Matthews kid that played at West Virginia. Yeah. Terrell Brown, that's from Seattle, played at Seattle and Arizona's coming to the UW. They signed the African kid. I know they're trying to go after some other players. Um, it's a big year. I mean, there's no, there's no other way to put it. I think uh, they got to hit a home run next year, man. I just think so. You know, but the University of Washington, you, you started off your career here. It's a great school. Seattle's a great city. I don't think they're going to have any problem attracting top-notch, top-notch kids. And uh, I expect them to turn it around, Dan. I mean, you, you can't – you know, when you look at Gonzaga's situation – I mean, Duke was like that for a long time, man. I mean, like I said, I came into college basketball 36 years ago. I think Duke was great for 35 of those 36 years, and this year they didn't make the tournament. So it happens to the best programs in the country. You're going to have down years, unless you're a Gonzaga and you can make the damn tournament 20 times in a row. But I think a lot of that, I got to take some kind of shot at you, Dan. So I think a lot of that <laughs> to do with that, that weak WCC conference y'all in, man. Y'all win that thing every year. They never no doubt. It's like you Sharpie Gonzaga at the top before the season even starts. But I think I think you double turn it around. You know, I really do. If it's going to happen, whether or not it's going to happen in this next season, I'm not sure. But the, the pieces they've added so far, you know, I will say that I like. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think Coach Hopkins, uh, he's he's doing a great job. Unfortunately, he had two guys, one and done, leave, kind of put him in a hard spot. Uh, yep. Some of the guys that I'm sure they were recruit, recruiting weren't sure where they would have fallen in, and then the two guys leave, and then there's holes to fix. Or, or replace, and, and I would also agree, I think Will Conroy is an up-and-coming coach. I think at some point he'll be a head coach. Um, when he, I, I don't know if he's ready just yet, but he will be ready soon. Um, but he's got that experience, and the fact that he goes out and brings in a former Pac-12 head coach in Y-King Jones, I, I think that is another bonus for the program. And, and, and I will say this, Washington State is on, is on a positive trajectory, yep. and Washington gets back, Oregon – Oregon State, I mean, there is some great basketball in the Pacific Northwest, and it's going to be fun to watch for the next few years. 
It sure is. And it's going to be really competitive. Like you said, you know, Kyle Smith, like you said, is doing a great job at Washington state, Oregon state with the run they had, but, uh, you know, UW has traditionally been a football school, Dan. I mean, that's that's the bread and butter for it. But I don't see any reason why basketball can't be great as well. And Gonzaga, UW, I was disappointed the years that they didn't play because that's a game that everybody wants to see. It's a state's bragging rights game. Um, I think it's a game that should be played. Um, and we, we'll see what happens, man. Uh, you know, we, we didn't talk about Nas Carter, you know, not, not being able to play this year. And I think that had a huge effect as well. But, you know, I, I think one of the challenges for, for you guys at Gonzaga is going to be getting these one-and-done guys. That's, that's not something traditionally you guys have had to deal with. And it's a, it's a tough, tough thing to keep replacing top-notch guys like that every year. And that's something that the UW has, had, has struggled with, I think, in my personal opinion. When they get yeah. guys one-and-done, they lose things like that next year. It, it's a little bit rough. Yeah, you're right. Gonzaga's only had to deal with it a couple times where it's been uh, more of a – uh, a normal occurrence for UW, especially under Romar. So, yeah. um, Eldridge, appreciate the time. It's always good to talk hoops. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking as the college season uh, approaches in the late summer and fall. So, thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Dan. Have a great day, man. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.